Welcome to Christ and Culture, a podcast about two kingdoms, man's kingdom and God's kingdom, and how they collide. What's going on, everybody? We're back. This is Christ and Culture, and today I'm going to be speaking with my buddy, Brian Berry, on uh, understanding scripture, reading scripture, trying to uh, know how to study the Bible. Man, this is so important because a lot of times we look at the Bible and we're like, man, I don't even know what to do with it. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to be awesome to hear what my buddy here has got to say about discerning the scriptures, man. Brian, uh, tell them a little bit about yourself. Yes. First of all, thank you, Paul, for welcoming me on the podcast, man. I'm excited to talk about the Bible. It's my favorite subject. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can ask my wife, you know, they're probably tired of me, you know, preaching and teaching, uh, to them about the Bible, so I to share same here, man. Same here. <laughs> She's probably like, "Go and tell somebody else." Well, I've heard enough. <laughs> yeah, but in regards to uh, myself, so I'm Brian Berry, as you already stated. Uh, so I'm a student at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. A lot of titles, <laughs> and that's in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, so I'm a PhD student. My uh, major is in New Testament, and my minor is in Old Testament. So it's a long story how I got into there, but I did my MDiv at Southwestern as well um, and uh, was inspired by the professors there. Uh, Namely, there's one particular professor, Dr. Sun, Dr. Aaron Sun, who uh, convinced me, um, uh, dragged me, (laughs) compelled me to to go further in my studies. And, you know, since I made that decision, I've been richly rewarded. Um, So right now, not only am I a student at Southwestern, uh, a PhD student, but I am also the tutor uh, for their languages department. So I'm the, the biblical Greek and biblical Hebrew uh, tutor. So any of the students that need help in their languages, uh, they come to me for help and assistance. And then uh, starting uh, last semester, so the fall of 2022, I started teaching adjunctly uh, as the uh, Greek professor uh, for Southwestern as well. So that keeps me busy, busy, as well as my family life. So I'm married uh, to Stephanie Berry uh, for 12 years. Sorry, uh, 13 years. Is she going to be listening to this? this. <laughs> yeah, she probably going to listen to this. Like, I got to get that correct. 13 years since March. <laughs> We've been married. And then we <laughs> and then we have two daughters, a 10-year-old and a 5-year-old. Uh, so I'm the daddy of girls, daddy of daughters. And that's been fun. Uh, my house is like the showtime at Apollo every day. <laughs> it's always singing and, and dan- dancing and talking, a lot of, lot of talking. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> outside the family life, the I do, I, I serve in a church. So right now I'm associate minister at Destiny Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, James Romack is the pastor uh, for those who want to check that out. I've uh, been uh, preaching the gospel. I'm an ordained minister, uh, Baptist minister. I've been preaching gospel for 12 years. So just one year short of the time I've been married. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, you uh, talked about Hebrew and Greek t- uh, tutoring. Yeah, you my tutor, man. That's uh, that's how uh, we, we kind of <laughs> met. Because yeah, um, uh, you were one of the, the, the I, I can't remember what they call it, ass- assistants in the classroom or whatever. And uh, yeah. he was like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to teach some. Uh, uh, I'm going to show you how to do Hebrew and Greek, man. So I signed up for both, man. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, it has sir. been it's been a, uh, definitely uh, been a big help man so i appreciate you on that and that's why i uh um found out that you had such a passion about the scriptures and a love for the scriptures and, and how mm-hmm. to study them and so that's why i wanted to talk mm-hmm. to you about this and i'm glad that you showed up brother and so the first question i really want to ask <laughs> you though is um is uh 
Like, is there a difference between reading the Bible and then studying the mm-hmm. Bible? And, and if so, mm-hmm. it, which one should we be doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say yes <laughs> to both questions. <laughs> yes, there is a difference between reading and studying the Bible, and we should be doing both. <laughs> yes. So yes to all of it. <laughs> but to go a little deeper than that, um, <laughs> you know, there is a difference between reading and studying. And uh, first thing I want to say is, you know, we should always be reading the Bible. So even if you don't have time to study, because study takes more time. Um, studies, when you're going deeper, you're getting more in-depth, you're asking questions, uh, you're, you're possibly using resources, you're probably writing things down or putting things in, in your notepad on your phone or whatever app you use. Uh, so you're doing some more in-depth stuff when you're uh, studying the Bible. But when you're reading, um, you know, you're just reading casually, you know, you're reading through, you're looking through. You may even nowadays listen to it, <laughs> you know, yeah. like... Um, you know, have an audio Bible. So uh, reading is more informal, uh, it's faster. Uh, but the, the difference is in the, like, like to put it like this, uh, between uh, reading and studying is uh, going deeper. When you're studying, you're going deeper, you're just a casual read. Uh, so really that's the question you want to ask yourself, um, you know, how deep do you want to go uh, when it comes to like studying the Bible? And so I'll put it like this, you know, so I have daughters, a 10 year old and a five year old, so, you know, nowadays, you know, when we watch, we have family night on Saturdays and um, it's like watching one of those Disney movies. So, uh, you know, most of those Disney movies that we watch, you know, they have, you know, stuff for the kids, you know, that's real kind of like, you know, funny and sophomoric and, you know, kind of, you know, you know, just really goofy and stuff like that. And my five-year-old loves it, especially if there's like a princess in the movie or something like that. You know, like it got, it has her attention from the very beginning. Like, oh, there's a princess. And she's, she's just watching the princess. And no matter what else is going on. But also in those movies, they have things for the adults as well. They have, you know, you know, little jokes, inside jokes. And it may, the characters might say something from like pop culture or, or reference something that only like the parents will get. You know, you, you know, yeah. you have to be like a certain age to kind of get it. So like you'll un, you'll you you appreciate that movie from different perspectives. My five year old's appreciating it just because it has a princess in the movie, <laughs> but I'm appreciating that same movie because they're making references, and I was like, oh, that that joke's funny, but they're not getting that. Yeah. yeah. So the same thing with the Bible, uh, you can go on a surface level and get stuff, and the Word of God, you know, the Spirit of God will use that and will transform your life. But if you want to go deeper, study is the way to go where you can get some of those nuances, get some of those nuggets that are there in the Bible, um, but you won't catch them if you don't study. Yeah, for sure. So I guess, uh, like you said, mm-hmm. yes and yes, we should be reading it and studying it, man. <laughs> <laughs> and so I encourage you guys, man, that yeah. if uh, if you're not studying it, at least read it. But then as you read it, man, mm-hmm. I think it's got such a, a good uh, story and God illuminates our hearts so mm-hmm. much that you'll start wanting to study it. And so now that's kind of what we're going to talk mm-hmm. about is just trying to figure out how to study it. And so <clears throat> if we're going to study it, people who read it already and they want to dive deeper, well, how do they approach the scriptures? Like how, how do they mm-hmm. start their uh, ascent or descent into the depths of scripture? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. The descent <laughs> into the depths. <laughs> how do you start swimming? <laughs> well, the first thing uh, I would say is, um, in regards to the heart. So, you know, before we get into like the framework of, you know, how to study and the logistics, uh, we want to deal with the heart uh, because it's, it is a book, but it's not just any type of book. 
Like it's yeah. a God book. It's a God inspired book. So the first thing I would say is that um, we want to uh, study it or approach it with humility. Yeah. So that's the first thing. That's a that's a heart thing. And you want we want to approach the Bible with a heart condition. So I always advise that before you go into studying the Bible, uh, to pray, because um, you're, you're that's when you get a chance to communicate with the author. <laughs> And, you know, and, you know, kind of have the author get your heart right before you read his works, read his what he's trying to say to you. Uh, so that's one thing, humility. And, and there's a passage that comes to mind when I think about that. Um, it's in Hebrews chapter four, uh, around like verse 12. And it says it talks about the word of God it says the word of God is uh, living and active and is sharper than a two edged sword and sword and it's cutting to the division, you know, of joint and marrow and, and soul and spirit. And then the last part of that passage is interesting. It says uh, it's able to discern or able to judge the thoughts and the intentions intentions of the heart. And so, so the way I, I look at that passage, and I've said, I said this in a sermon before, uh, not only do we read the Bible, but the Bible reads us. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's important to <laughs> yeah understand. That's important to acknowledge. I ain't thought about it's, that. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's what it's saying because it says it judges our thoughts and intentions like, so you're not just reading, you're not just interpreting it, it's interpreting you mm. and bringing out what's inside of you. Yeah. <laughs> so when you look at the Bible like that, yeah, it makes you come to it humbly that, okay, like, I'm not just going to approach this like, you know, a science experiment and try to dissect it and all this stuff. You know, yes, we can ask questions and examine the Bible, but the Bible is also is doing something to us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's going deep inside of us. Yeah. So that's the first thing, uh, to approach it with humility, uh, understanding what the Bible uh, is supposed to do. It's supposed to search us and, and discern us and judge us. And then um, for us, like a framework, um, there's, there's a lot of approaches. Um, so at uh, the church that I'm at currently, one approach that we've been um, using is called the HEAR method. Mm-hmm. So it has this, it's an acronym. So H-E-A-R, HEAR. Uh, so H is for like highlight. So that's when you um, you take a chapter and then you know you find like the main verses of that chapter and then you highlight it. So you can literally just highlight it with a pen or something or a highlighter, or um, or you can just highlight it by putting a, a name on it, like putting a topic. Um, so that's highlight. That's age. Uh, e is explain, and then by explain uh, you're like kind of asking questions of the text. So like for one question is like what is the context? So you know what is this chapter about? What is this book about? Um, uh, you know, who is the the author uh, writing to? So who is the intended audience? That's that's important. Who is the original audience? Because that's going to change the way um, you look at what he's writing. You know, if the intended audience was the children of Israel uh, walking through the desert, <laughs> about to go into the promised land, it's going to be it, it's going to be different um, when they hear certain things compared to, you know, someone who's, you know, already in their house and settled and situated and waiting on a 401k. Like <laughs> it's going to be a different <laughs> on the way you hear his words. <laughs> so you need to deal with how those, how those words would have meant what they would have meant to the original audience. And then, um, that's, so that's E and then another, um, uh, and, and then still staying with E, uh, not only what it meant to original audience, uh, and, um, you know, put that in your own words. So, you, you know, you're not just, you, you're putting it where you, where you can understand it, uh, where you can interpret it. And so that's E. Uh, that's all the questions you need to ask of the text. And that's just some of them. And then once you get what it means from E, 
A is apply. So you got what it meant from the original audience. And then that's when you finally bring it over to 2023 or bring it over to whatever time frame or setting that you're in. Um, and, but you want to do all of that work before you bring it over. Yeah. Understand what it meant to the original readers, what it meant to the author, uh, not only like Moses or, you know, the, the, the Apostle John or Apostle Paul, but what did God mean when he was using those uh, authors uh, in writing that particular text? And then you can, there's a print that principle um, from what they meant. You can carry it over and that will apply to where you are today. So that's apply. And then the last one, R, is respond. So, uh, you know, do all that work and you, you finally get what it's meaning, uh, not only to the original hearers and the, and the readers, but what it means for you right now. But you got to do something with it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not just a head knowledge. Yeah, you need to do something with it. So respond is, you know, whether you need to believe something, whether you need to change your way, whether you need to do something, uh, whether you need to forgive somebody or ask for forgiveness, you need to respond in some way. So that's that's one of many methods or frameworks that you can study the Bible with. Man, I like that last part. Or I, because I, I, I do one myself, mm-hmm. and I do like what's it say about God? What's it say about man? What's it actually saying? Mm-hmm. And then um, then application. Yeah, but. To know what it says about God, to know what it says about man, to understand what it's saying, and then to even apply it, but you don't respond to to find application from it, but don't even respond to it. It don't matter. Yeah. So man, that's a good Yeah, one. it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna have to I'm gonna have to add yeah. that one on there. Respond. It, it don't <laughs> it, it, it don't it don't make my four questions. It didn't give me another thing. It's that's a that's a that's not a uh, I guess I could say how are you gonna respond? But uh, yeah, that's there that's go. good. Add it to it. <laughs> so, what is the method that you use though when you study the Bible? Whenever Brian Berry sits down at his uh, desk, he pops open mm-hmm. the Bible. Man, how does he approach the Scripture? Yeah, good question. So, um, I'm being obedient to my church, <laughs> so <laughs> I do use the hear method because um, anything I tell other people to do, I want to um, do it myself. Uh, not only to um, this to not be a hypocrite, <laughs> but also I want to see if it works. I want to see that, you know, if they actually something that they should be doing. Uh, and I want to model that. Uh, so I've been using that, that same method. Uh, but generally speaking, uh, one thing that I always uh, keep in mind is the context. And I can't say that enough. Um, whenever I'm looking at a particular passage, um, used to when I was a, a beginning Christian, I would like look at, you know, the famous passages or the passages that sounded good. And I'll just read that. Pat that read that verse usually is one verse and then I would memorize it. Uh, but since I've grown in my faith, grown in the way I read the Bible, now I read um, the context. So I read you know a chapter or read a book, and uh, it's probably good to actually you know take a book at a time and read it chapter by chapter. Mm. And you can still you know memorize you know do scripture memory on your favorite passages, but now read those passages in the context of that chapter and in the context of that book. And then it gives you a full picture of what that act- that verse actually means. Because it's very easy to take that out of context. And we can talk about that later. Uh, so that's one thing I do. I'll make sure that I read it in context. And then I, um, just like in the here method, I ask questions about the text. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you know, who is it writing to? Uh, uh, what, what stage of biblical history are we in? So are we in the patriarchs where, you know, God's still working inside of a family, like, you know, the family of Abraham or the family of, you know, Jacob, you know, is God working with a nation, you know, with the nation of Israel, you know, are they in a, you know, do they have, are they settled in the land? Is, uh, is there a, a divided monarchy where, you know, there's, there's a division and that kind of uh, tells 
the, some of the story, you know, one side, the North, you know, is acting crazy, acting, doing all types of crazy <laughs> stuff. And then the South, yeah. you know, they ain't too far behind. They, you know, they're, they're not as bad yet. <laughs> or are we in the time of Jesus where, you know, he's calling out disciples and there's people who see what he's doing and they, they act like, you know, like, ah, I, I see what he's doing, but nah, he can't be the Messiah, you know. Or we're in the church age where Jesus has already done his work and then we're looking back on what he's done and we're making uh, implications on that, on how we should uh, live our lives, how we should treat our neighbors, how we should uh, serve and love one, one each other in the church. Those, all those things make a difference uh, where we are yeah. in this story. So I look at the, um, I ask questions like that. Uh, and then another thing is um, I look for repeated themes and repeated phrases. Uh, so that's one thing um, that's really helpful for me uh, because, you know, the, the, the author of the Bible, you know, the God, as well as the human author, whether it's Moses or the apostles, they didn't stutter. <laughs> so uh, so <laughs> most of the time is they're repeating something over and over and over, uh, just like a preacher. They're doing it for a reason. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's certain things that they're saying over and over certain themes. Um, so if you can catch on to this theme, like, you know what, I think this is important. You know, the, book, the author of Hebrews keep on saying that Jesus is better. Like he's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better. He gets a better rest than Joshua. You know, he, he has a better priesthood than the than Aaron. You know, I wonder. Oh, this might be pretty important. <laughs> so catching on to those themes, <laughs> those phrases and themes. Jesus might be better. <laughs> help me. Yeah, he, he, he might be better. <laughs> I think he's trying to say something about that. <laughs> so that's important, and that'll shape the way we read as we're reading. Um, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, um, taking note or observing uh, the way the author is laying out his story, how he's communicating the text um, is one way how I study. So uh, I, I, I hear you talking a whole lot about, this is going to be a multi-tiered question here. I hear you talking a whole <laughs> lot about background information and that we need to know the culture. Mm. So how how important is it for us to do that? And do we, is it necessary for us to have to be able to understand the Bible? Because I know a lot of people may not have a good grip on the culture and, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the way that people lived back in that time. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. So one thing that you'll notice, especially reading, I'm, I'm going to pick on the old Testament for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite part, man. You better, you better, you better keep know, it tiered, man. <laughs> I'll be careful. I'll be careful. <laughs> I have a love for the Old Testament. Too. I'm an Old Testament minor, so I, I have a love for it too. <laughs> so um, uh, using the Old Testament as, as an example, when you read the Old Testament and especially some of the narratives, uh, which is mostly narratives and, you know, and, and like the conquesting, like taking over, you know, parts of the land and there's battles and stuff like that, you'll notice pretty quickly they're, they're, they're assuming a lot of things. They're assuming that you already know the geography. Yeah. So they won't they won't say like, oh, OK, you know, we're in the Middle East here. Uh, the the longitude is 400 degrees and latitude <laughs> is this. You know, they're not going to they're not going to send you like a pinpoint, like a Google map. <laughs> so you can hit that and they show you exactly what they're talking about. No, they're just going to say the names of these towns or say the name of this route that they traveled. And they're just going to assume that, you know, what they're talking about. Yeah, because the reason being the original readers didn't know what they were talking about. So they didn't have to explain it. So um, since we're separated uh, geo uh, geographically, so we're not in the Middle East, we don't um, 
I'm assuming your your listeners are, <laughs> are you know are, are mostly in North America. So we're separated geog- geographically uh, from the, the place where they're talking about. Also, we're separated by time. Uh, so that happened thousands upon thousands and thousands of years ago. So people, you know, they speak different. Uh, they The way they look at the world is different. We're separated by culture. So their culture is different. We're more individualistic in our culture where there is more a collective society, corporate society. They're uh, uh, they're agrarian society. They didn't have a Walmart or a Kroger yeah. <laughs> to do their, their shopping. They depended on the land. So, like, whatever you put in the land or whatever grew out the land, that's what you eat. And if it didn't rain or it didn't grow, you didn't eat that you know, for a while. <laughs> or or you, you, you had to, you know, depend on the hospitality of others. So, you know, all of those things shape the way the Bible is written. And that can cause some um, – that can cause – uh, for uh, a need for us to uh, do some research when uh, a certain place is named. For example, um, you know, when Moses in Deuteronomy, he's uh, he's gone with the children of Israel and he's, you know, he's he's been guiding them for decades upon decades. And then finally he gets to the edge. He gets to Kadesh Barnea and, um, and he, he gives these sermons about what to expect when you get into the promised land. Because he's like, I'm not coming with you. Uh, God already told me I'm not going to be there with you, but I want to give you uh, some things you need to know. And then he, he recounts not only what they've been through, um, but also he recounts the law that God's given them. And then he looks to the future, uh, what they should expect and what they should do, how they shouldn't, shouldn't forget about the Lord when they enter the promised land. Well, uh, it puts it in perspective when you think about where Kedesh Barnea is, because uh, it's on the edge of the promised land. So, like, you know, it's almost like Moses's last words to a people uh, that's going into a land that he won't go into. So that makes it pretty important. Like, just, you know, think about like, you know, like a a president or someone like respectable. Like I think about Kobe Bryant, you know, the last word, the last game that he played, he went out with a bang or, you know, Michael Jordan's last shot when he on win his last championship. Like, that's the last thing you remember. So it makes it even more memorable when you recognize, oh, wow, this is his last words. And he's saying, don't forget the Lord, you know, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart. You know, you remember these things, you know, so it it puts things in perspective. And sometimes we don't get that um, just on a surface level of reading it. We actually have to use resources like a map or or a a Bible dictionary. Say, oh, okay, this Kadosh Barnea is here. It's on the edge of the promised land. So, oh, this puts everything in perspective. Or this particular particular thing they're referencing. Uh, I don't know what it means in our time, but if I look it up, oh, it means something in their time, and it helps me understand uh, what they're saying. Yeah, that's good stuff, because trying to actually enter into the the hearts and the motives of the speaker Mm -hmm. and the listener does help. I, I went through mm-hmm. some stuff with my wife and, and, uh, she just opened up a different perspective on David. At one time he was, uh, mm-hmm. having some problems. And then, and then, uh, I just assumed cause I'm, you know, I read the Bible, you know, been a Christian for a long time, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I'm just like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. just what happened. David just went in, did his thing, went and hung out with Saul. <laughs> but it's like, but think <laughs> Saul, like literally just before that, so, uh, uh, was, was made King and there, or David right before he goes to Saul, was just anointed king. And Saul had just been taken, the kingdom had just been taken away. And so for David to yeah. go hang out with Saul, that's kind of a scary thing, you know what I mean? And so for David to just do that, that's uh, that's pretty incredible, man. 
because he had to have a lot of trust in the Lord or he was just like an oblivious kid. <laughs> uh, so kind of understanding the context and the, the culture and uh, even the place like that Kadesh Barnea, I, I hadn't realized that he was literally standing on the precipice of the promised land and he could see over there. Yeah. And so when he's like, hey, guys, yeah. you're going to get to go over there. Like, I, I'm I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not going to go over there. But before you go over there, let mm-hmm. me tell you what you need to act like or how you need to do or what you need yeah. to say. Yeah. So that, that does give, yeah. like, a, a new perspective because that's just not only uh, culture but also uh, position, mm-hmm. geography. So, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's powerful stuff, mm-hmm. man. That's powerful stuff. And so you also mm-hmm. said something earlier about repeated uh, um, sayings. Like uh, you're saying mm-hmm. in Hebrews, the author was saying that Jesus is better, Jesus is better, Jesus is better. And so mm-hmm. what kind of pitfalls, though, can we fall into when we look at certain word usage or phrase mm-hmm. usage um, that we mm-hmm. should try to avoid when looking for these type of, uh, uh, I guess you say, contextual clues? You know, um, yeah. I, I ask because yeah. I know that I have a buddy and they like to do word studies and stuff like that. And and mm-hmm. so how how um, important are those things versus like um being precautious of of what we do as we read those things or study those types of things. Yeah, yeah, that's really important. Good question. So, um, yeah, there are some pitfalls. There are some things you need to watch out with anything. Um, you need to be uh, familiar or aware of where the 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 whales are. So, kind of like if you're driving, or uh, you know, in, you know, you probably been on some some roads where you had some some drop offs, <laughs> you know, just, you know, beyond the railing, <laughs> and you kind of look down, and you, it's like, okay, man, I want to, yeah. I want to kind of hold my hold the wheel pretty tightly on on this road. <laughs> but same <laughs> same thing with certain procedures and like word studies. You know, once if you're in the that lane, you're good. But there's the there's a railing that you don't want to cross because there's a drop off where you can go into some some error. Yeah. So one, uh, just using word studies for an example, uh, you don't want to take a, the history of a word and um, interpret that word based on its history and just totally forget the context. Yeah. So I'll give an example. Um, so in uh, the King James version, I'm gonna just pick on the King James just for a little bit, <laughs> and no, 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 uh, no harm, no, no harm meant to those who read the King James. I read the, the New King James from time to time, <laughs> so no harm meant. But in the the, the 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 original King James, even in our modern versions of it, uh, you'll see certain passages that says, "Let your conversation be be pure," or "Let your your conversation be good in the sight of." you know, evildoers. Well, uh, conversation, it means talking to somebody. That's the way it means today, you know. So when we hear that in our in today's time, we think, okay, I, you know, the way I talk to someone, you know, it should be a certain way. So uh, first Peter talked about that, let your conversation be pure in the sight of, you know, those on the outside. Well, conversation, that, the, that history, that word has changed. Originally, conversation didn't mean just talking to somebody, just having a communication, a dialogue, a verbal dialogue back and forth. Conversation in the time of, you know, 1611, um, you know, in English, uh, English language, it means your conduct, your behavior, your lifestyle. So what Peter is actually saying, let your whole lifestyle be pure. Now, yes, you can you can take that passage and say, OK, let my 
the way that my word to be pure. But then you're just minimizing the Bible. Yeah. Peter's not saying just just, just, oh, just worry about what the way you say. It. And yeah, just let your talk and live however you want to live. <laughs> <laughs> no, he says all your your behavior, your whole lifestyle should be pure. Yeah. So everything just, that you just do. looking at the everything you do and not just your words. Yeah. So just looking at uh, taking a word and um, using it improperly can change the meaning of that text, can change the meaning of that verse and how you understand it. So that's just one example. So looking at the history of a word, uh, another common one um, is taking like maybe a modern, um, modern uh, way of looking at a word and uh, imposing it on the text. Mm. So one um, one familiar passage, uh, Romans chapters one sixteen, uh, chapter one verse sixteen, where it says, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, uh, for it's the power of God to yeah. salvation for the Jew first and then, then to the Gentile. And, you know that word power is dunamis. Uh, in the Greek language, and uh, we, we translated power in most of our English translations, uh, but it's been said over and over, uh, you know, and I have to pick on some preachers. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes us as preachers have, have done it. <laughs> you probably have, have, uh, have, have, have caused this to spread quite a bit, but yeah, a preacher might say, oh, you know, power, that word dunamis is where we get the word dynamite, you know, so it's the dynamite of God. <laughs> well, think about it, like, did, did Paul know dynamite back in you know, the first century? Like, did dynamite <laughs> even exist? Like, did gunpowder exist? Like, I, I doubt that dynamite was in Paul's mind when he was saying the gospel is the power of God. And uh, and think about dynamite. Like, dynamite, yes, is powerful, but what does it do? It destroys stuff. <laughs> you use you don't use dynamite to to, to, to like build. to build people up or, or yeah to, to help you you use you use dynamite to clear the way it might be to clear a mountain or to clear some hills so you can build but you do, you use it to destroy stuff yeah it's <laughs> you a blow destructive up stuff force. dynamite yeah it's a destructive force so I don't think Paul is saying the gospel is the destructive force of God <laughs> to the Jews <laughs> and then to the Gentiles. No, he's saying the opposite. Man, what he's, he's saying, saying is it opposite. destroys the gen- or it destroys the Jews to make way for the Gentiles, man. <laughs> there you go, see? <laughs> there you, go. you know, and unfortunately, that's probably been said before. <laughs> that's probably, that, that's, that that's why we're here with you, man, trying to figure out how to read the Bible so that we don't make those types of mistakes, man. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So be careful on the history of a word, either it's history before the, the New Testament, or it's history now, and imposing it on the original on the original language or the m- original meaning of the author. So, if you do um, use uh, resources to do a word study, uh, use uh, resources that let you know, okay, this is what it means uh, in this context. And there's a number of resources that do that. And, and actually, read that word in the context uh, of that the passage of that chapter of the book, and see if that makes sense. If, if dynamite makes sense, most likely uh, just thinking uh, logically about it, you know, a dynamite there doesn't make sense. Maybe power means the ability. So maybe the gospel is the ability to save people mm. and not just Jews, but it's the ability to, of God to save uh, Gentiles as well. That makes more sense than the power to blow people up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Blow them up for the Lord. <laughs> Some people need to be blown that's, up for the a, Lord. Yeah, that's evangelism explosion. That's a real evangelism explosion. Right there. <laughs> oh man! 
So uh, you you mentioned understanding the words uh, in their context, and you even talked about the Greek mm-hmm. a little bit. So is how important is it to to know maybe the original languages or to have a um, working knowledge of of uh, what they might be um, when reading the scriptures? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, so um, let me say first, it's not required. <laughs> it's not a prerequisite <laughs> for reading the Bible. You know, and no one's going to come up behind. Like, uh, 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 you know, have you have you studied the original languages yet? Oh, can't touch that book until you go back and, and go to school. <laughs> so it's not required to to read uh, your Bible um, because there have been faithful men and women that have um, uh, looked at the original languages and have translated and interpreted. Um, those original languages into your modern language so that you can understand it. And they have worked, there's literally, they have worked their whole lives to be able to do that. And um, so they're, they're the faithful uh, people that have done that in our translations. So we can trust our translations, but, uh, is, but the why, why it's important to, uh, where it'd be useful, let me say that, to use original languages uh, for your Bible study is that going back to the question of, you know, how deep you want to go. Yeah. So if you just want to read, read it on a surface level, you know, there you're going to catch the meaning and you'll get the sense and the Holy Spirit will use that. But if you want to uh, go deeper and kind of see some of the nuance of what's being said and, and also how it's being said, then the original language are, are essential. And I'll, I'll give a couple of examples. So uh, one of my favorite books beside the Gospel of John, where I'm doing my dissertation, is the, the letter to the Ephesian church. So in the book of Ephesians, um, I like in chapter two, uh, Paul starts out, he's talking to his audience, uh, he's talking to the church and in Ephesus, and probably it's a circular letter uh, to the different churches in that area in Asia Minor. And he says, uh, you were dead. He tells that condition. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. So he says, this is your condition. This is how you were. This, this is the state that God found you. Uh, and then he uses a preposition. So a little small, tiny word. He says, kata. And he said, you, use, you were walking, kata. You were walking according to, and then he lists a number of things that the way you used to walk uh, according to. He said, you used to walk according to the prince of the power of the air. You used to walk according to your desires, uh, desires in your, your flesh and desires in your mind. Uh, you used to walk according uh, to the, the rest of the world, uh, that spirit that works in, in, in the sons of disobedience. So he's saying, that not only were you dead spiritually, but you were the walking dead. <laughs> I like to put it like this. You were a spiritual zombie. <laughs> and you think it was like when you watch like zombie movies, you know, they have, they're, they're dead, but yes, they're still like moving and bre- uh, I don't know if they're breathing, but they're, they're still moving. And they have, <laughs> they have this impulse to like go towards, you know, you know, something. And Paul says, you were that same way. You had this impulse and that thing was driving you. Kata was, the, the the spirit that's work, now working in the sons of disobedience, the prince of the power of the air, we would say the devil. He he was driving you. And not only was the devil driving you, your own desires uh, in your flesh and your desires of your mind were driving you towards the way you was living. Yeah. So, you know, so that all that's brought out by looking at the original language saying, oh, Paul is saying not only was I dead, but I was walking dead and I was walking akata, according to all of these things. And then he says, uh, in, in, I think about verse four or five, but God, 
<laughs> you know, who is rich in mercy. <laughs> so he, he, the, the, he, he jumps in with the butt. Yeah, but uh, God. But God rich in mercy. But God. I know, they'll preach. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he was rich in mercy and he lavished us. And, and then he uses three verbs. And in the Greek language, it's interesting. These verbs are all what we call aorist tense. So they're, they're, some would say completed actions. They're already things that are done. He said, uh, but God, who is rich in mercy, with great love, he loved us, and he uh, made us alive, but it's, an, it's already done. It's past tense. Yeah. So we were dead, and he already made us alive, past tense. But also, he says, he uh, raised us up. Yeah. No, we as Christians, we... Yeah, he seated us in the heavenly places. Christians, and he seated us. Yeah. So, and that's past tense. All of those verbs are past tense. And so when we, you know, think about Christian faith, you know, we say, okay, yeah, Jesus rose from the dead, and yes, we will rise. But Paul said we already rose. Yeah, yeah. it's already done. <laughs> we rose man. positionally. It's already done. It's already done. And we already seated in heavenly places. So in God's viewpoint, in God's eye view, for us, our position in Christ, we're already with Christ. We raised with him. Yeah. We're already seated with him. Uh, so, like, you're just walking it out. Like yeah. the, the battle's already done. It's already you. You've already ch been changed. <laughs> That's powerful, man. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, positionally, so we, we are there. Good. We are with Christ. We're in the heavenly places, man. And all. And and you said just walking it out. That's verse ten, man. It says these good works that you've had. You just walking them out, man. Yeah. That's yes. that's good yes. stuff, bro. Yes. Man, yes. you, you preaching yeah, now? I'll give you one more. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help. I am a preacher. <laughs> <laughs> That's, see, the, the Greek language, the, the, the Hebrew and the Greek can lead to preaching. <laughs> That's not a so, so if you if you study if you want to be a, if if you study the Greek and Hebrew, you you might end up becoming yes. a preacher. <laughs> yes, you might, you might, or you'd be a better preacher. <laughs> another one that we went through re recently uh, in the Book of James. So we're going through James in our own time together. Uh, actually, we finished James, yeah, but we, we were looking at James chapter five. Yeah, yeah, woo, finally. <laughs> <laughs> and we were looking at James chapter five the other day. And um, James in chapter five, in the beginning of chapter five, he's talking to the rich and he's talking about how they're mistreating those who are working in their fields and, and they're not paying them. And the rages that they're holding back from them is crying out against them and, and all this stuff. And uh, he starts out that passage saying that uh, he uses three synonyms. And we saw this together. Um, that means like crying out. He said, you need to cry out. You need to, you need to uh, cry. Yeah. You need to to wail. Well. And the how. So, yeah. The how. <laughs> <laughs> and then that word he used for how, the well, it's an interesting word. So it's, it's only used one time in the whole New Testament. And that's in James. But if you were to do a little bit of research uh, in the original language, in the Greek language, you'll notice that in the Old Testament um, translation into the Greek, which we call the Septuagint, uh, that word is used over and over again. It's used 16 times in the Septuagint. And every time is, or almost every time it's used in the Septuagint is used in judgment passages. When uh, usually a, a prophet like Isaiah or Ezekiel or Amos, he's talking to a people that have been treating people wrong. They've been um, uh, been uh, exhibiting injustice. Uh, they've been not caring for the poor. They've been doing all these things before the face of the Lord. And now God is saying judgment is coming. 
um, like one passage in Isaiah 13, he says, the day the Lord is coming, judgment is near. Your destruction is on the way. So you need to wail. And he uses that word. So it's not coincidence that James using that same word and is like, hey, judgment's on the way. If you don't repent, if you don't stop treating your neighbor like this, you're in the same boat that the people in the Old Testament were before they were judged by God. Mm. So looking at the original language can help you see connections in the Bible that are there. The author has put there little nuggets, um, but kind of like that Disney movie, you won't catch it. You'll you'll miss the joke, the punchline, <laughs> if you don't know the original language. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, that's good because uh, you're right. Like uh, we translate that word, which is a good translation as to wail mm -hmm. or to moan mm -hmm. or howl or whatever they, the, the translators use. But you don't get that. Uh, I, I think uh, I listened to a little of the guys called like Bible Project and they call it um, mm -hmm. um, hyperlinks. It's like, and you don't get the ah. hyperlinks. Like, you know, you got the blue letters, you yeah. click on it and it shows you, it reveals to you something else that's connected with it. You just don't, you don't get that, yeah. man. And uh, yeah, that's, that's the beauty yeah. of the languages. And you talked about how yeah. we have faithful translators of the language for the scriptures that we read today. And so we shouldn't, we shouldn't mm. um, um, be discouraged if we don't know the original languages. And I have come to see that mm. as true as I read different, uh, um, different translations. And so I want to ask you, man, mm -hmm. uh, what do you think is the best version of the translations? Or like, uh, it's a loaded question. It's a loaded question. But, <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> but uh, what, what do you think? Like, what, what, what translation should a person read when they're like uh, maybe just reading? Or maybe what translation mm -hmm. should they read if they are trying to do a in-depth study or are all the translations the same or, or like, and what are the differences between them? So what's your thoughts on the translations as such like that? Okay, cool. <laughs> At first, when you asked that question, uh, it was like, man, that's, that's loaded. Cause it's like asking like, what's the best, like, uh, dessert, what's the best ice cream. <laughs> and if it was my kids, I was like, any ice cream, as long as I have it, like, as long as you give it to me, I'll take any ice cream. <laughs> 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 so yes, the, uh, you know, any Bible translation, any um, uh, faithful Bible translation will, will, is beneficial. Uh, but it is important to understand uh, that different Bible translations have different approaches. They approach their translation uh, in different ways, and that may make a difference not only what you see in the text, but also um, um, how it should be used. Mm. So, for example, usually. Um, uh, most scholars or most books that talk about this subject, they put the translation on a spectrum. So on one end of the spectrum, you have more of the word for word translation. So the, the Bible translators, they're looking at the original languages. So that's Hebrew, Aramaic and Greek. And then they're trying to translate every single word and uh, uh, find a direct correspondence in the English language to that word. And then uh, the more what we call wooden Literal, trans, literal translations, they're even keeping some of the word order. Um, so that may, that may make it harder to read in English. So, you know, those translations, they may not sound as good if you're reading, you know, on <laughs> Sunday morning for the rest of the congregation, but they're really good for Bible study. <laughs> so uh, so uh, uh, translations like that is like New American Standard. Even the, the King James Version and the New King James, they're on that end of the spectrum. Uh, even your ESV, your ESV has made pretty in modern English. And um, 
uh, in conversational English, but it's still more of a word for word translation. It's still on that end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, there's there's those translations that are function like that. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, we have what's called dynamic equivalent translations. So these are translations that use the approach of we're not trying to translate it word for word. We're just trying to get the ideas correct. We're trying to get thought for thought. So, you know, uh, I'll give an example. Uh, there's passages that say that, you know, uh, David, you know, he was getting old in age and then he went to sleep of his father's. So a dynamic uh, equivalent translation would say, David died. <laughs> and we'll get that. Like, okay, cool, David died. <laughs> so they're just trying to get the idea. They're trying to get the essence. And they're not trying to translate it word for word. But the Hebrew literally says, David lay, lied with or slept with his fathers. But if, um, and, it's, and that could be helpful. It could be, you know, if you're just trying to explain it to someone that's maybe a new Christian or someone that's younger and, you know, doesn't have a, uh, a lot of background knowledge um, uh, just saying David died. Okay. That got the point and you can move on. But if you wanted to do some deep study and it's like, Hmm, David lied with his fathers. What does that mean when the author uh, said he lied with his father? Cause he could have just said died. There's ways in Hebrew just to say he David yeah, died, yeah. <laughs> but he chose to say it this way. So maybe he's pointing to something, to something further than what, uh, than the word die word um, translate yeah so dynamic equivalences is going to kind of smooth those out and you won't see some of those nuances and then so uh those translations uh that's that function on that side of the spectrum is like the nlt the new living translation uh some of the other paraphrases um uh so th those kind of end of that spectrum and then in the right in the middle uh you have uh the niv so like the niv and then like the newer editions, the NIV, I forgot what it's called, like the RNIV, the revised NRV, they'll be kind of right in the middle of the word for word and a dynamic where they're trying to still translate um, the words, but they're going to also smooth some stuff out so you can get just the essence or the idea of it. So it's kind of more of like, hey, what fits the way you study and, and, and maybe even how you're using the Bible at that time. If you're just reading it, you know, out loud for a group of, you know, sixth graders, maybe more more, more of a, a dynamic equivalent, um, or, or you know, or NIV, something that's in the middle. But if you're gonna do some in-depth word study and you want to see not only what the author is saying but how he's saying it, maybe you want more of a word for word like the New American Standard or the ESV. Yeah. Man, uh, that that makes me think. Then I guess it would be good to have multiple versions because you can mm. uh whenever you read the mm. the um the literal translations and, and you kind of you don't mm. understand you know yeah then then you like like especially with that thing where he said where he lays with his fathers you're like what's that mean mm. you know you go and you look at the <laughs> uh the the uh new living translation you see oh he died mm. and then you're like okay that means he died <laughs> but then you go back yeah. and you say well then why did he use the language that he used, mm. the words that he said, mm. and then that can like that can yeah. uh, spur you on to a deeper study. So that's that's good, man. Yeah. Just to uh, it's not to say that there's any um, perfect version or good version, but mm. that uh, mm -hmm. each have their uses for whenever we use them. Yeah, that's that's good because I just remember when I was a kid, they were all like, "You you better use that King James, man. That's the only good <laughs> version, man." 
You know, or something we're like, oh, all we're using is ESV here. Everything else is it doesn't matter, you know. But I, I guess as yep. I've come to read myself, is that um those they all have their purpose and their use. And I'm glad you kind of explained that for us, why they have their purpose and why they have their use, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So if we're going to uh, study the scriptures and we're going to read um, um, these different translations, and I, I think those are resources, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Bible itself is a resource in understanding the scriptures, mm-hmm. because uh, we just mm-hmm. discussed how if we can't understand one version, we look at another and we see what it means. Mm-hmm. But what are some other resources uh, that we should go to? in order for us to kind of get that deeper understanding of what the scripture is. Yeah. Yeah. I must actually, I'm going to start using that uh, as a resource, the Bible itself, <laughs> the <different laughs> translations of the Bible as a resource. That's good. That's good. So I'm going to start pointing people in that direction too. But in addition to uh, different translations of the Bible, uh, some resources that are helpful are like Bible dictionaries mm. or Bible encyclopedias. Um, because, you know, when you're reading a text, like I re- mentioned earlier, um, the author is assuming that you're already there, that you already know some things. So like, for example, in the book of Jonah, uh, when God tells him to go to Nineveh uh, and then Jonah has an issue with it. <laughs> and then later in the book, you know, he tells uh, why he has an issue because I know what type of God you are. Yeah. You know, you're, you're a compassionate guy. And Merciful. Compassionate. Yeah. All these things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that means you're going to forgive them. <laughs> They're going to repent, and you're going to forgive them. And I'm going to be mad because they don't deserve forgiveness. <laughs> but if you're just reading on the surface, it's like, wow, why why would Jonah like be so hard-hearted towards the people of Nineveh? Why they don't deserve forgiveness? Well, that's when a resource like a Bible dictionary would be helpful. When mm-hmm. you can look up Nineveh in a Bible dictionary, oh, it's the largest city in Assyria. And Assyria was a great empire and treated some some people pretty badly. <laughs> They're pretty ruthless in the way they treated people. <laughs> and the Jews Jews are, were one of those people that saw how they were treating other people. <laughs> so like jo- Jonah was like, mm, you know, I don't want I don't want them to be forgiven because they are ruthless. <laughs> yeah, it's bad folks. And and, th- and then you, yeah, there've been some bad folks. And then you can apply that to modern times. So so where are some people? Uh, in today's time, in today's culture, maybe uh, different countries or different people that are on your bad side, uh, yeah. people that you think, um, you know, or uh, beyond forgiveness. forgiveness or despicable, don't deserve forgiveness because the way they treated other people yeah. where Jonah was in that same same boat. He was in that same uh, camp. Uh, so just like Jonah had to get over that and God had to work on Jonah, maybe God has to work on us. Yeah. So you can get that from that resource using a Bible dictionary to understand really the whole book of Jonah and, and things like that to uh, understand why things are happening or, or you know, why um, uh, people are being talked about a certain way. So that's one resource, a Bible dictionary. Um, another one, uh, we mentioned this earlier, uh, just a, a, a good Bible map. <laughs> <laughs> a Bible map or atlas. <laughs> that can be helpful. Uh, you know, see where these places, like on the Apostle Paul, when he's doing these missionary journeys, and you see there's a method to it. So he's, you know, he's going in a full circle and he comes back and he stops in Antioch. Then he goes out again and he makes a full circle and he comes back and stops in Antioch. And he goes out again, makes a full circle and go, stops in Ephesus. And it's like, hold on, he, he, he's going to Ephesus now and he's staying there. Oh, wow. He changed his headquarters. Like, so mm-hmm. he's moving west. 
yeah. because the gospel is moving west. And so that means when he's talking to the Roman church and he's saying, hey, you know what? Um, I want to send this message to you because I plan on going to Spain. I want to I see you first and have some fruit among you. And then I want to go to Spain. Oh, he's going even further west. Like his plan is to reach the whole world with the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> so um, having a good Bible map can give, give us a sense of uh, the things that are, are assumed by the authors that you already know them. Uh, and then also it gives us a picture of you know, what's happening uh, when we see the geography of the Bible. So a good Bible map uh, would be helpful uh, for that. And you can find some uh, pretty good prices nowadays. Um, and then another one is, is helpful, and uh, they're, they're pretty common now, is commentaries. Mm-hmm. So I get a good, um, um, consistent um, evangelical commentary. So there's a number of different series you can find out there, like by um, Baker and, and B&H and Zondervan. Uh, that they're they're faithful. Uh, the, the the scholars are faithful um, Christians and uh, and faithful translate and interpret the word. And they're helpful for helping you see some of the nuances, not only what's being said but how it's being said. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, thinking about the Zondervan series, they they might even outline the passage for you, so you can see um, you know okay this is a purpose of result clause, which means that he's giving you the purpose of why I'm telling you to do this. Um, yeah. uh, and, and sometimes they're giving you some of the stuff, uh, you know, about a particular word. So you don't have to do all the research of a word study. You can see, oh, he's done the research for me. And I, I might, you know, just need to look up one of the two resources. But he's helped me see what this word means in his original context. So a lot of that work has already been done. And you can use a commentary uh, as part of your study. Uh, to tap into some of that. Yeah, for sure. Now, we did talk about all these uh, mm-hmm. awesome ways that we can use resources um, to be able to help us study the Bible, but the most important resource, mm-hmm. the Spirit of God. Yes. We can't we can't leave him yes. out, man. We can't leave him out. How important <laughs> is he in us understanding the scriptures? And I know you talked about him earlier. Um, Moore talks about praying to get your heart right and the humility because mm-hmm. you, know, you talk to the author before you read his book. Mm. But uh, how, how important mm. is the role of the spirit in understanding the scriptures? Yeah. First I thought you were going to preach for a second. It was like the more, the most important resource. <laughs> I'm trying to let you give <laughs> the answers, the man. I'm, I'm not trying to give the answers. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to go with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I would just uh, reiterate that. Yeah. He's the most important resources uh, resource because uh, we can do all the, the literary studies, you know, so looking at the original language, looking at even the way it's laid out and how uh, we can see that in our modern language, you know, you're looking at clauses and you repeated phrases and repeated themes. We can do all that. We can look at the context. We can even look at maps. But ultimately, you know, it's written for a particular purpose to do something in us. <laughs> Not only written for our hearing, but written for our education, for our transformation. And um, so we don't want to uh, miss that part. Kind of like we talked about uh, earlier with the R, uh, how you should respond. Yeah. And um, it, and you can't do that without the Holy Spirit. You know, theologically, uh, we know that. So so even backing up before that, uh, we can't really know the true meaning from the original author without the the Holy Spirit, because some things um, are only revealed on the spiritual side. So you can understand, okay, you know, this is what Moses meant to the children of Israel. Uh, and you can even imply it's, okay, this is what it means for someone who lives in Texas in 2023. But, like, what does it mean for me right now when I'm going through this particular ordeal? 
and the Holy Spirit will guide you into that. Or you get into a conversation um, with somebody, uh, maybe your spouse or someone, you know, a grocery store. And then the Holy Spirit brings that passage that you studied six months ago back yeah. into your brain. And he's like, oh, wow, this applies in this situation. And yeah. that happens over and over. Um, so you've given the Spirit something to work with. You've studied that passage before, but now the Spirit brings it back to your mind and says, you need to use it right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this applies right now. You're right. And some of these things like, man, I ain't even thought about that in forever. I, don't, I, I never remember that until the Spirit yeah. moves to use what he's implanted in your brain in order to uh, you know, help someone else be able to understand and know the Scriptures. So that's, that's, that stuff's so powerful, man. And we are going just a, a tiny bit long, but I want to ask you, why are you so passionate about the scriptures, man? And then um, after that, then you can give your handles if you want to. All right, cool. Man, so um, passionate, man. First thing is personal. Uh, so um, I became a Christian in to, relatively to some uh, kind of late in life. So I became a Christian when I was 21 years old. So my dad was a minister. He was a chaplain. Um, and my mom was a Christian. So I, I was raised in a Christian household. And so I've heard the stories. I knew of the stories. We, I've been to church, but it, it didn't become real to me. Uh, and talking about the Holy Spirit, you know, he had to do that. Um, and he used people. He used a church to do that. He used a Sunday school class, a young adult Sunday school class at the time to do that. Uh, but it became personal. And, and the word of God transformed me. And then uh, one of the first two signs when I became a Christian that I noticed and my parents noticed uh, was that first there was forgiveness. Uh, I had animosity with my dad and all of that just went away. Uh, now, not everything went away <laughs> when I became a Christian, <laughs> but that's one, of the, that's one thing that went away. I just had forgiveness for my dad and now we have the best relationship. We have a friendship now. Um, so that's one thing that happened when I became a Christian. But the second thing is I had a hunger for the word of God. Uh, it was I love to eat, but it was it was more than my <laughs> desire to eat. Like, <laughs> and which is pretty strong. I just wanted to like devour God's word and just know about Him more, more, and be wise and uh, in, in His word. And and I just couldn't get enough of it. And that hunger has never went away. Uh, so some of it is personal. Uh, that that fire started on the day I was born again, and that fire has been keep on stoking um, yeah. as I've grown more in Christ and as I read more. And then I want that fire for others. Uh, so I have a passion for it. And I know what it's done for me. And I want that for other people. Yeah, I want yeah. other people to be transformed and to, to catch the flame, to, to pass the torch. And um, I, work, I want people to, first of all, be saved. And then I want people to, who are saved to catch that fire and have that the joy that I get from like reading his word. And it's like, wow, uh, I see God in a new way. Or I see a different aspect of God that I haven't thought about before. Man, that's a uh, brother after my own heart because... That's exactly the, yeah. the, the the way in which I had it. Once I came to know Christ, it's like I just had a fire and a hunger to know more about him. And then whenever I got a little taste, mm -hmm. uh, just of a little bit, diving a little deeper, we talked about uh, descending into the depths of the scripture, man. As soon as I descended, bro, mm -hmm. I was just captivated, pulled under and never wanted to come up, man. And, and that's how it's been mm -hmm. continuously. So, man, hey, I, I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, talking to us about how to understand the scriptures, how to read the Bible and the importance of the scriptures to us today. And uh, just your time that mm -hmm. you spent. And also your time, you just helped me with understanding the Greek and the Hebrew, brother. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate it, man. Yes, and uh, yeah, <laughs> you have any uh, handles like uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. 
Snapchat, YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm old, so I'm still on Facebook. <laughs> so you can find me on Facebook. <laughs> Brian Barry, uh, you know, you can send me a friend request. Um, uh, you can find me that way. And if you send me a friend request or uh, you can, you can hit, hit me up there, I can give you my email address and um, you know, love to chat with you. Have any questions about the Bible or uh, just want to do life with you. I love talking to people. Yeah, for sure. Well, I appreciate you again, man. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Oh, 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 oh